0: Que pasa, move fasa. Bienvenidos to the Micopreneur Podcast. Yes, that means welcome in Espanol. Because today on the pod, we've got esteemed Mexican mycologist and researcher, a mycomaterials designer and entrepreneur who is turning heads around the world and winning prestigious design competitions with his fungal biomaterial fabrications. All this while publishing peer-reviewed academic papers and holding it down in academia. Oh, he's got a podcast about mushrooms too in Spanish called Entre Hongos. Gente del mundo mycológico, dar gracias. Bienvenidos al Mycopreneur Podcast, Dr. Efraín Robledo.
1: We can always work with more diversity and also we can try to manipulate the genes of these fungi to do even better things. I think that's where mycelium is better because you can completely control what the outcome is going to be. Today we're going to be talking about Dr. Robledo's foray into the world of
0: materials, which he and his team of mycopreneurs at the Universidad Autónoma de Nuevo León in Monterrey, Mexico, have been extensively researching prototyping, and reiterating with to create some seriously impressive reishi leather. Their mycopreneurial venture is called Mycelium with an I, and you can find some of their current offerings at www.somosmycelium.com linked in the episode notes. Gracias para juntar nosotros ahorita aquí en el Mycopreneur podcast y vamos a viajar ahorita al mundo mágico del mycelio. Hey, pasa, Mufasa? Efren Robledo. Welcome to the Micropreneur Podcast. How are you
1: doing today, Efren? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Really happy to finally have the chance to, to talk with you, to talk with your audience. We've been like chatting often uh, through the social networks, but finally we're like face-to-face, so I'm happy.
0: And thank you for joining us because it's been exciting to follow your journey designing mushroom leather products. You're a fungal materials designer, a mycopreneur, and you're also in academia. I believe you're a researcher at the Universidad Autonomía de Nuevo León in Mexico, and you specialize in mycology and plant pathology. So I'd love to know, is this common in Mexico or are you one of very few people across the country who's working with biofabrication and fungal materials design?
1: I don't know. I think, I think there's, a, there's a natural tendency for many researchers to try to apply the, the, the knowledge they are developing. But I, I think the issue is that it's really hard. It's really hard everywhere. But the, the ecosystem for, for startups and for spin-offs in, in Mexico, I think is particularly hard because we simply don't know how to do it. We are not like, quite evolved in that aspect yet. What I like is that the the desire to to for our knowledge or for our develops to, to touch people outside the lab. That's what we want. I think that is the the, the engine behind us. That's what makes us try to, to develop this. It's not easy. We 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 tried before with um with packaging materials made of mycelium. Now it's really common. And we saw how hard that was. We won many contests and stuff. We were like in the newspapers and all of that. But once you are outside, like facing other companies and trying to convince people that your, your alternative is good, that's when you, when you see that it's not easy. It's not just about the product. It's not just about the knowledge or your degree. No? It's, there's more variables. So it's really interesting. It's really fun, but it's really hard. So you have to be really, really tolerant to frustration. So I don't know. I think, I think it's, I'm, not, I'm not the only one. Maybe I'm stubborn enough to try to push it like beyond and beyond. Maybe that's what's different.
0: And are you primarily making the wallets right now? That's the pictures that I've seen on the internet is making rishi leather or mycelium leather wallets. Or are there other products? You mentioned you tried packaging before. Are there other products besides the wallets that you're designing or primarily you're focused on creating these wallets from Ganoderma right now?
1: We're developing these wallets as a proof of concept because we are still currently, as we speak, uh, enhancing our, our methodology in order to make the mycelium leather the strongest as possible, just like, like that, without any additives. We know that some other substances after the mycelium has been formed can be added in order to make it stronger. But we're trying to like optimize the, the production as much as we can and as much as the genetics of the, of the, the, the fungus can, so then we can try to add uh, something else, some other substances, and, and, and to make it even, even better. So that's why we are just trying to make the, the, the wallets in order to show people what... Uh, my and leather is all about because even though we talk about leather sometimes people need to see actually see what is going to become and that that has been like success for for us we are currently um, participating in a fashion contest so it's really weird for a mycologist to be involved in a fashion contest but we are finalists tomorrow is the the final uh, session so we are kind of nervous but that what made us um, like go to the finals. The, the, the wallets—they like that, and they also like that it's com- a complete new, a completely new uh, material. So as it's a new paradigm for for fashion, at least here in Mexico.
0: And congratulations! I've seen you entering these different design competitions, and you seem to be performing very well. And I I really like. The vibe. I really like the culture that you're representing and putting out there. It's very inspiring to see more people who are investing their intelligence and their resources into creating more sustainable, regenerative, and mushroom based materials. I also have a couple friends in Mexico. Who are making cactus leather materials, handbags out of cactus leather and a few other different uh, applications. I'm curious, have you ever tried to work with cactus leather? And why do you think maybe mycelium leather might have some advantages or differences? Why is mycelium leather maybe better than cactus leather?
1: I haven't, I haven't had the opportunity to work with cactus leather. I think I know uh, the, the people you, you are referring there. I, I admire their work. I think they are known all around the globe. That's a great product that they found. Really, really scientific what they did. It's not that they just are just like mashing up cactus and, and, and trying to convert it to something. They, they, there's a lot of science behind it, so I love that. I don't know if mycelium is going to be better. I think mycelium has a, a closest appearance to actual animal leather than, than the cactus version, according to what I've, uh, I, I have seen on the, on the images on the internet. What I think, um, where I think mycelium is better is that you can personalize it a lot. And also you have a lot of uh, different fungi to work with. Uh, with cactus, you have like cactus and that's it. And it's great because in Mexico, that's what we have the most. And, and, and you can find research in the different universities where cactus like do everything. There's like a whole subreddit about it where, where cactus saves the world always, no? With medicines and antibacterials and stuff like that. In the case of mycelium, what, what, I, what I like is that even in, in academia, we teach that the difference between the known fungi, that is around 150,000 species. And the estimate of uh, possible species around the world is really wide because currently there's a number that is up to 3.8 million species around the world. So there's a lot of uh, fungi to work with. The, there's like a lot of work with the Pleurotus and Ganoderma and like the, the, the same mushrooms. But we can always work with more diversity, and also we can try to, to manipulate the genes of this fungi to do even better things. I think that's where mycelium is better, because you can completely control the, what the outcome is going to be. And it's not going to be transformed just into leather. You can produce, like... A alternative protein for foods that is going to be cheap, that is going to be really nutritious. You can transform it in cosmetics, in oils, or in other stuff that are going to solve different needs in our everyday life. So that's where I think mycelium could be a better alternative. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on making like a, a, a combat or a fight between cactus and mycelium. I think what the world needs is options. If you like cactus, okay, go get your cactus shoes, and those are great. But if you like mycelium because you like the, the, the texture, okay, go with, get mycelium. Either option is better than, than the plastic option that, when we don't use it well, is going to end up like polluting the, the planet. I think that's the approach we should, we should take on those materials.
0: Awesome. And there is so much historical and ancestral knowledge about mushrooms and fungi in Mexico, right? With the Olmecs and the Aztecs and the Mayans and different cultures like where I live in Chiapas, right? There's a lot of different people who have this traditional knowledge of how to use mushrooms, but this knowledge is disappearing. And I'm curious, when you were younger, did you hear a lot about mushrooms and your culture and your family and your community? or is it something that you learned in academia or later in your life
1: so when i was when i was a kid all i can remember is having like these mushrooms in in our garden because we lived in a house at the outside of the city and it's what it is still a small city that it's called like Linares you no know? it's here in Nuevo Leon but it's not as big uh, or as industrial as Monterrey where i live right now then we when 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 i started studying my bachelor's degree all I know is, is that I wanted to be a scientist, but I wanted to be like more of a biotechnology scientist or maybe a geneticist or a genetic engineer. Because when I was studying my bachelor's degree, the human genome project was, was going on. So I was really influenced by that. So I, I knew I wanted to do that. No? Maybe some uh, genetic modifications in order to enhance human health or better food or stuff like that we we had a subject on mycology during the the career but it was just like that okay so there's 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 fungi and and that's it it didn't have like a big impact on me as as, as could uh, uh, people could think because i'm a mycologist now so i didn't want to be a mycologist as a first option it it didn't cross my mind but then when I had to do my thesis, because we, we, we needed to do a, a research thesis in order to get our actual degree at the end of, the, of, the, of our, our school years, I went to the School of Medicine here in the same university trying to look for opportunities for thesis because our school was really small. So all the labs were, like, were like really busy. So I went to the School of Medicine trying to, in the same way that you look for a job, I was looking for a thesis. So I was knocking on doors and, 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 and talking to people, and a mycologist, a great mycologist called Gloria Gonzalez, that is still working there, he, she is really renowned in, in in Mexico, offered me a thesis, regard in, involving medical mycology. We were do we were studying with yeast that cause infections. So we we infected mice and tried to. Uh, prototype of a medicine that is now currently being sold, so it it's, it is now FDA approved, and it was really good, but it was that at that time that I started to actually read scientific papers, that I started to become like in love with mycology because I said, okay, this is not as big in 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 or there's not a lot of people here compared to bacteria and viruses, so I thought that is there was always going to be like, uh, work to do with, with, with mycology. I was always going to have, like, opportunities for, job, for a job in, in mycology. So I started, uh, I started reading more about fungi. Then I, my, I, I studied our, uh, a master's degree and a PhD in, in fungi also, in the medical mycology field. But at the end of my PhD, I had the opportunity to work as a researcher in the School of Biology, where I studied and the infrastructure there was not as big as the School of Medicine, especially for medical mycology. We couldn't work with medically important fungi because we couldn't, we didn't have the safety equipment. So I started working with anything regarding with with fungi. All I knew is that I I was now like uh, I had a little expertise on fungi, so I wanted to work with those organisms. So anything regarding those, and I started working with yeast and with some molds that are relevant for plants, and. I wanted to to be able to call myself a mycologist, you know? I, I, was, I, I worked a lot with micro uh, microscopic fungi, but now I wanted to to actually make mushrooms like fruitify. So I started working with edible mushrooms just for fun. And I, I learned how to make them fruit and I took, them, took some of those home with my wife and we made some quesadillas and stuff like that. So now I could call myself a mycologist. And by that time, the, the global tendencies of, work, uh, of making micromaterials started with the guys at Ecuvative at the U.S. So we wanted to see if we could do it as well. So we started working with that. And then I, I made a, a small team of uh, three students, one from the same school, and she's called Dominic, and two guys from an engineering school here at the university. So we set up a small team. We started going to contests, and we set up like a, a, an, an actual company uh, legally, legally and stuff like that. But then we, we started facing like the, the, the actual troubles of trying to convince companies that your product is better than plastic. That's what I was uh, talking to you about. That is not easy. It's not just about the product. You have to merge a lot of other variables. So that project or that adventure stopped there because we saw that at least here in Mexico it was going to be really hard to compete with plastics at the time. But one thing I, uh, I remember or we remembered is that when we were producing the micromaterials, sometimes in the containers, at the edges you could see some like, leathery stuff made only mycelium, not, not uh, seeds or, or agricultural waste, just mycelium. And we were really intrigued about that because we wanted to try to control that. I, I said to my students, if that exists, you can control it. Just by the, by the, by the very explica- explanation of that it exists, there's, there's something that is causing that. So we need to find what it is and then cause it ourselves and make it bigger. By that time, COVID pandemic started, so we couldn't go to the lab. And me and my wife, we have two small uh, kids, uh, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. So we couldn't go to the lab because it was, it was not safe and because we had to take care of our kids. So I spoke with one of my students and said, okay, I need you to, to help me with a project. I'm trying to find out how to make this leathery, 100% mycelium thing and since i cannot go to the lab you're going to go to the lab you're going to put all the safety precautions and the face masks and stuff like that i'm going to pay you a small salary from my own wallet and you're going to do exactly as i say so i started devouring every patent every research paper every news regarding this to try to formulate ideas on how to do it and how and and especially how to do it different from other other initiatives around the world so in a in a year we started with something small, trying very different stuff. It was not really sciencey in the way that we used like glass jars that, that were leftovers from from salt, from spaghetti sauce, and stuff like that. We were we were trying to use everything we had around. And uh, but the end of last year of 2020, we had we had our our eureka moment. We 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 had a product 100% mycelium, and we said this is it. So this is the way, now we have to optimize this. And all this year, 2021, we, we incorporated a new students that I don't like to call them students anymore. They are like my partners because we're trying to now like make a company out of this. So we started developing these prototypes, the wallets and, and stuff like that for, as a proof of concept. And uh, we made a huge, a huge impact on the, on the web some Some other companies uh, here in mexico and and overseas uh, got in touch with us. They wanted to know the material. they wanted to to invite us to collaborate or or just buy now the material because they they want to to make products out of it. so uh, it's, it has been really exciting. but it's really it's really fun to think that I didn't want to be a mycologist, and now like I'm like one of the maybe small competitors in this global race of making fungal materials. And that that puts a smile on my face every day. I'm really happy with, with how things are going right now.
0: And I'm so excited to follow the journey, especially with the different Facebook groups and social media and whatnot. You're really able to connect with people at a mycelial level, right? Uh, kind of the underground. You don't need to have this big formal introduction it's amazing when you post a photo on a facebook group fungal materials and biofabrication and you say we made this and then people want to know how do i make this because yet yeah, as you mentioned more and more people are starting to grow mushrooms now they're growing oyster mushrooms pleurotis people are growing lion's mane now and now there's this whole other World available. There's a universe of possibilities that you don't even know is possible until you see someone do it, and you say, "How did you do this?" Like I, I want to know how you made Rishi leather, and it becomes really exciting because then more micropreneurs, more people start saying hey, I'm gonna try this at home. And I actually think that the pandemic had a very positive effect on a lot of businesses in a strange way because it forced people to be creative. It forced people to say, okay, I'm not gonna keep waiting around. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this happen. So you mentioned your eureka moment you had and how you know you had to team up with people. You had to delegate and trust students who are now your, your colleagues. And like th- this climate of doing business and creating in the pandemic is making a lot of people have to be very creative. And I think mushrooms and working with mycology, it's a great combination for people who are creative because there's an endless amount of possibilities of what people can do. This podcast was born during the pandemic. It was me saying, yeah, you know what? I'm having to connect with people online. I'm finding myself with some extra time now on my hands that I'm not going out. What can I do? So I think probably more people than ever before in the history of the world are growing mushrooms now. There's, seems like every day, more and more people are growing mushrooms, more people are interested in mushrooms. And I also wanted to note, you have a podcast in Spanish, I believe, called Entre Ongo, see? Can you tell us a little bit about... Your podcast and what is the audience like? Is it mostly people in Mexico and Monterey? Do you get people from other Spanish speaking countries? And what is some of the content that you're covering on your podcast?
1: Yeah, we our, our podcast was born during the pandemics as well. It was uh, a, something I wanted to do. It was like an, at the back of my head, I was like, "I ah, I'd like to do. I would like to do a podcast. It's, it, it sounds really fun. It's like a good way to." To talk about what you like and, and your passion, and that's it. Not not it doesn't start with the with the idea of money necessarily. Just because you you want to connect, like you said, and it's it's a great way. And also because I I, I listen to podcasts, I consume a lot of podcasts, and, I, and for me it's a great platform. It's a great format uh, to learn uh, when when you are like in the driving or you have like a. a, a, a a space in your day that you're not going to do anything. You can listen to podcasts before going to sleep, stuff like that. And there's every kind of matter and subject that you want. There's a podcast, a podcast for that. So we decided, and also this was because I'm I'm really competitive in, in in a way. I was I was like feeling this uh, revival of of the mycology uh, subject around the world. I think we are currently in a great time for 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 fungi for doing anything regarding fungi. And in Mexico, I, I couldn't find a 100% mycology podcast. We could find some uh, episodes in other podcasts regarding some infectious fungi, uh, psilocybe, and magical mushrooms and stuff like that. But not a 100% podcast uh, about mycology. And I, I really like the, the, the science communication uh, subject. So I talked to my wife because she's a mycologist as well, but she she's really focused in in medical mycology. She works at the School of Medicine. I was I with her, okay, let's do a podcast, let's do a podcast, let's do it together. It's going to be really fun. There's, it's something to for both of us to do here at home. We can do it. We don't have like any uh, super specialized equipment. Um, we can just get some, some some cool microphones and stuff like that. So we decided to make a podcast where if you are doing something with fungi, you can be a guest, whatever it is. We have some very technical episodes that we try to interpret for the people because we don't want it to be like a super specialized. We want everyone to try to, to, to be able to learn something new about fungi with each episode. But we have some very technical ones of, of hard uh, mycology. And we have like another some other episodes with uh, uh, edible mushrooms and some recipes for how to cook your mushrooms at home and stuff like that. So we that's the aim for the for the podcast. We are really happy. Right now we have um, uh, interviewed people from mostly Mexico, but also some people in Chile and, and other countries. We want to be able to interview people all around the world, but right now we are just doing it in Spanish because my, my wife is, doesn't feel quite, read, quite quite ready yet to do a, a, a fully English episode. But we, we're, going, we're aiming to that because there's great mycologists and great people working with, with fungi all around the, the world, so we want it to be more international in that way. But right now, it's just a project we do for fun in order to teach people about mycology, the, the, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the things you can do with them. And, and that's it. We, we really didn't expect the success or the small success that we had had. But when you receive a, an email from somebody that listened to an episode that is really happy and is congratulating you, that feels really good. So maybe in the future, we can, we can join forces, you and I, with our podcast and do stuff around the planet. I would love that. Y quiero
0: hacer un podcast en español también. My Spanish is pretty good, pero es un poquito diferente cuando hay entrevistas en línea. See, like when I'm speaking in Spanish with people, I can use my hands, right? And it's a little bit nerve wracking. Yeah, so I, I can appreciate the position you're in where you want to reach a broader audience. And I work quite a bit with some local mycologists here in Chiapas. And when we were first communicating... It's all in Spanish and it's kind of easier to communicate in another language when you're texting because you can translate something right or Google. And then maybe like three weeks after talking to them, I figured out they speak great English and that that seems to happen a lot, you know, where you're like, oh, that's that's very helpful because. But yes, I really want to function as a bridge builder, I want to build bridges between all of these different amazing people around the world who are working with fungi. And we shouldn't let language be a barrier. If people are learning about fungi and they're passionate about fungi, I want more people to build these bridges and to learn more about it. And it's been really wonderful. I'm sure you've experienced this during the podcast. When you talk to people, they give you things to think about. You know, they, they tell you things. You say, I never thought about that. One thing I saw you post something about that I've also recently experienced and I've talked to some people is mushroom beer, cerveza de hongo, see? And what I was really curious about, there's a few companies doing it and craft beer is huge in the United States, especially San Diego, where I'm from. There's like literally hundreds of craft beer companies and nobody, nobody is doing mushroom craft beer. But I went to a festival, Telluride Mushroom Festival, They had a kickoff party with different types of craft beer. They had Lion's Mane IPA. They had a Rishi Lager. I believe they had a a Matsutake beer also, which was fantastic. And I saw you, or maybe it was a Maitake beer actually, but the one that I saw you post was a Matsutake beer from Oaxaca. Can you tell us if you've tried this beer and does Matsutake grow in Oaxaca
1: or, or are they importing these mushrooms, do you think? I think it grows like naturally, but uh, the good thing is that it's not a really hard uh, mushroom for for one to grow like in controlled conditions. Oaxaca is a great place, I'm, and I'm pretty sure you you've been there. If not, you have to go there. Oaxaca is a great place in Mexico. I think it's the most genuine Mexican experience that there is because you have everything, you have the the pyramids, you have uh, the sea. Uh, you have the, the culture, you have everything in, in, a, in, in a good balance and you have awesome food as well and a lot of, a, a lot of mushrooms. You, you can take a walk of a half an hour, one hour and you're going to see 200 different species of, of mushrooms out there. So it's really good. I think the, in Mexico, we have like a, a big like border, cultural border from, from the top north uh, of the country and the center and south here in the north i i, I don't think the, the mycology culture the all the mushroom movement has not permeated as as good as as, we, as it should and sometimes people maybe i think i think people uh, regard uh, mushrooms as a lower quality food but when you show them like on on social networks and stuff like that when you when you show them what you can do with mushrooms they're always amazed so i think there's a um, a lot of work to do bridging like the the very country to maybe uh, put the 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 knowledge the resources of the of some states of the re, of the country uh, but the creativity of those other people that are already working with, with, with mushrooms that know the diversity or just that live in a place where you are right now, where even when, if you don't want to, you see mushrooms all around it because the weather is, is very suitable for, for mushrooms to grow. So I would really love to, to, to help like you in building bridges all around the, the country and all around the world because I cannot really imagine what other people with, with different ideas – with a, a more creative perspectives on some other uh, uh, subjects can do with what we do with mushroom for example when when i spoke with the uh, industrial designers about the the micro materials they they always came with some ideas that i wouldn't be able to to realize even if i wanted because i'm not a designer see so when these guys said when when the first guy said okay i'm going to make a matsutake beer or a maitake beer or a rishi beer. That's a different way of thinking. That's like merging different different areas. So if I'm a mycologist, you, Dennis, have been around the world. You have seen a lot of stuff. And if we work with some other people, always new ideas are going to pop up that we can can make happen. The, the, The process of creation is really good. Like thinking of something and then creating it is really, really awesome. And then I think the best thing of all is then put it that so, so everyone can enjoy it. So maybe that's the, the goal that we, we all should aim. So that's, that's great.
0: And there are so many exciting products and services and things related to fungi that are coming out all the time. I think micro-remediation, cleaning up oil spills, was something that maybe three years ago, I had no idea it was even possible. And now you learn that there's people writing their theses theses on micro remediation. And exactly as you described, you talk to an industrial designer or an electrical engineer, or, you know, even doesn't matter what their background is, they're going to approach solving problems from a different angle. And I see fungi and mushrooms as this ally for humanity. It's an ally. It's a relationship that we can work together with. And the more people I talk to, the more I learn, you just keep finding out it goes deeper and it gets bigger and we can solve all kinds of problems with it. And also, I really like craft beer. So mushroom craft beer is a lot of fun. So I'm curious, Efren, It's a great combination. Yeah. And I'm curious if there's anything else you can tell us about that you're working on right now, or are you primarily focused on doing the mushroom leather wallet and solving these problems? Or are there other products or services involving fungi that you're investing time and attention in and to scaling and creating right now?
1: well it's there's two sides of it. I have like the, from the side of of basic research like pure scientific research, that's what I that's what I do for a living right now. that's why that's what it pays, pays the bills. So I do a lot of research with uh, with yeast. there's a, a group of yeast that is called killer yeast, not because they are dangerous for us they they, they kill other other yeast and other fungi. Uh, because they, they secrete these proteins that were originally, like, produced by viruses. So there's a, a yeast that is infected by a virus that doesn't kill the yeast, but just by an accident, like, lends this protein that uh, makes the yeast, like, able to kill another yeast. So it's now a competitive yeast. So I work with that a lot. That's That's the subject that I've been developing for the last five to six years, And I have published some papers uh, regarding that. And that has allowed me to like get some funding from the government in order to do more research and have students and stuff like that. So that's, uh, I do a lot about that. I'm trying to move to other topics. So I, from the last three to four years, I've been working with mold in air. I'm really curious about what what kind of fungi are in the air we're breathing right now. You right there in San Cristobal, me right now here in Monterrey, there's always fungi around us. We have fungi in our skin even, and it's good for them to be there. So I'm trying to find and established what variables are involved in the presence of fungi around us in the air and what are the limits that are going to say this is safe and this is not safe because here in mexico we don't have any like legal Documents that say, "Okay, if you are beyond this amount of spores of fungi in the air that you're breathing, it's going to be dangerous. You need to do something about it." So there's nothing, and we have been uh, a bit successful about that because even without funding from the government, because uh, I don't know, I, I haven't been able to convince the National Science uh, Council to give me some money to research that, but. Um good for me, I have very good friends in different areas uh, in the same way you do. So we have been able to get like in some companies, food companies and and study the air. We got into some hotels to study the air and we have been publishing those results so. We are also doing something uh, about that that I, I find personally really... Cur- I'm really curious about that just because you see a lot of fungi and it's really fun to see them in the in the petri dishes. All the shapes and figures and colors is really, really good. And also it helped me to teach my ecology to my students and my students are really happy to learn all about that. That now with COVID, like the, the air we breathe, I think it becomes even more uh, important. So hopefully this subject of also the fungi we breathe is going to be relevant. On the side of the like entrepreneurship and stuff in the startups and stuff like that, what we're trying to do is make big size mycelium, like these mycelium sheets in in the biggest amounts as possible in the best way and the shortest time, but also in in the greatest quality, because once you have that, you can turn it into leather and you can make shoes or pants or purses or wallets, but you also can turn it into food. And that's another huge wave that is right now being developed all around the world, like alternatives to meat, alternative protein. And uh, I, I think that's a great way to help people because there, as we speak, it's really sad to, to consider that there's, there's some people right now around the world that don't know if they're going to eat something today. And that's a reality. And this is really sad. Uh, So finding new ways to provide great quality food, but that is not limited only for the people who have a lot of money, I think that's a good thing. In there are a couple of like biotechnology, vegan burgers outside. I don't pretend to attack them because I really love the stories behind them. But if you go buy one of those burgers that are not meat, but they taste a lot like meat and they come from plants, it's great, but it's really expensive. So my approach, what I would like to do with what I know, with what my brain has allowed me to to learn and, and, and connect, is try to provide an alternative for people so they can eat, so they won't starve to death. But this food is going to be good for their bodies and it's not going to be limited for people that have a lot of money. See, that's what I would love to do. I would die really, really happy if I became a mycologist and then doing mycology, I could help a little bit for the planet and then provide with that, with that activity, the economy that is needed for my kids to be safe and have some good education that is going to make, make my life like 100% uh, happy. So that's what I'm aiming for.
0: Thank you so much, Efren Robledo. We'll be following your work and we, we very much appreciate what you're doing for Monterrey, for Mexico and for the global village at large. And thank you for joining us on the podcast.
1: Sure, thank you for inviting me. Thank you for inviting me. It's been, a, it's been great meeting you and knowing about your podcast. There's
0: so much to cover in the mushroom universe and so many micropreneurs leveraging the infinite potential of fungi to create a more ecologically balanced, inclusive and equitable world for all of us mischievous little monkeys. I am completely stoked that you've chosen to spend some of your hard-earned time in our little corner of the mycoverse. Hop on the gram, say what's up at mycopreneur podcast. That's the handle. Don't get it twisted. We've got the full suite of social media up and running. Twitter, mycopreneur, got the YouTube's dialed in, mycopreneur. Drop us a line, tell your grandma and your cookie uncle, tell your wife and your kids. If you're a micropreneur yourself, you want to hop on the pod, by all means, bienvenidos, welcome. Don't be a stranger. Let us know your thoughts on this episode, and also let us know what you want to hear in future episodes. This is a team effort. Thanks for stopping by the Micropreneur podcast. Have a lovely day. We'll see you back here next week.